This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Well, let's just start in Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. We've been uh, teaching a series on healing belongs to us and the different directions that I'm not sure which way to go yet all have to do with healing. So we'll just start, circle the airport for a minute, and then see where to land. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 16, speaking of Jesus, it says, When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. He healed all that were sick. Didn't leave anybody out. Of all the people Jesus ministered to, of all the multitudes that he healed, there was not one person that he ever found that it was God's will to leave sick. I know the modern day church sometimes says, many in the modern day church at least, say that God uses sickness and disease to teach his people something and many times he wants some of his people sick so that he can teach them or that they can learn something. Folks, there is one thing to learn from sickness and that is it's evil. You don't have to be sick to know that. Jesus never found any of those people though. He healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now he's referring to Isaiah 53 4 which says surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. From In the King James it says that. But the words griefs and sorrows literally means sickness and pains. So here's the Holy Ghost through the apostle Matthew giving us a commentary on what Isaiah 53.4 means. A lot of people try to spiritualize that. They'll say, well, God healed us spiritually. You can't find anything in the Bible that talks about spiritual healing. So it can't be spiritualized, but here the Holy Spirit is showing us that it's not spiritual healing that he's talking about in Isaiah 53. He healed all that were sick. Jesus healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Thank God he did. Notice the fulfillment of Isaiah. He took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses is fulfilled only by healing all that were sick. See, when the Bible says with Jesus stripes or by Jesus stripes, we were healed. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, our sicknesses and our pains. If anybody's left out, then Jesus didn't do a complete work. Now look with me over to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. For this purpose, verse 14, that or so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now look with me to the 29th verse, the last verse of the chapter. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now the word redeemed in verse 13 is the Greek word that means to buy up or to ransom or to rescue from loss. Remember Jesus said the son of man cometh not but for to seek and save that which is lost. What was lost? 
mankind was lost. But what was mankind lost to? Turn back with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 tells us God's plan for man, original plan for man in creation. Verse 26, after God has made everything in the earth and supplied the earth and filled it with every good thing, he said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Folks, it is an undisputed fact that God's one purpose in creating man was for him to have dominion or authority on the earth. God made man the God of this world. Now, what does that mean? Well, God said, let man have authority. If man has authority over the earth, that means God does not. God didn't say, let us make man in our own image and let us share our authority with him. It's not what he said. He could have done it that way, but it's not the way he said it. He said, let man have authority on the earth. Now, Psalm 2, speaking of the the angels at the time of creation, it said the angels were astonished. Paul refers to this in Hebrews. He said the angels were astonished at the point of creation, the creation of man. They said, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. King James says angels, but it's the Hebrew word Elohim. It means God himself. You have made him a little lower than yourself. Well, God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. That means God made man an exact duplicate and copy of himself in kind. And the angels were astonished because the angels are not created in the image of God. And so the angels said, what is this thing called man? Now, whatever was here on the earth before, in the pre-Adamic ages, that Satan destroyed to cause the world to be without form and void when the story picks up in Genesis 1-2, whatever was here before was not man. Now, I don't have any answers on that. I don't even know what questions to ask. But according to the Bible, whatever was there was not man. And so the angels are saying, what is this thing called man? This new creature that you've come up with called man. He's not the first spirit being God ever created, but he's the first one that he ever created as a copy of himself. And the purpose, according to the Bible, for him doing so, making man in his, in his image, a copy of himself, a duplicate of himself in kind, was so that man would have authority. The angels are astonished and say, you put everything that you made under his authority. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Thou crownest him with glory and honor and gave him dominion over the earth. The angels identify, God, you've given dominion over the earth. Now, I would imagine, this is just my thinking, you judge this for yourself, but I would imagine the angels have in mind what Satan has already done to the earth when God first created it. The Bible says he made it a wasteland. He brought civilizations to ruin. So I'm thinking that the angels are looking back to that and saying, now you gave a certain degree of authority to Lucifer and look at what he did to the place. Now you're going to give it to man, the recreated earth you're going to give to man. 
and make him to have dominion over all the works of your hand? Man didn't lose that authority when, when Adam fell in the garden. If he had, then there would have been no instruction in the word to keep the law of Moses. There would have been no instruction for man to choose life over death. Because if he's lost authority, then he doesn't have the authority to choose one way or the other, does he? He's just left to the work of the devil. Whatever the devil decides he's going to have, that's the way it's going to be. Satan didn't gain authority in the earth. He gained a presence in the earth. Yeah, but the Bible says Satan is the God of this world. The word that's translated world in Second Corinthians or First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, where it says Satan is the God of this world, means time. It doesn't even mean that Satan is the God of this world system. He's not. This is the same world system that God instituted when he recreated the earth and put man in charge of it. Satan didn't, create, didn't change God's system. He doesn't have the power to change God's system. Satan can't change gravity. It's part of the system God set up on the earth. If he could, he'd just undo gravity and we'd all float out the, into the regions of space and everybody would die all at once. It says his purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. He could take care of everybody in one swoop. He doesn't have that authority. Man has authority over the earth. Man has authority over the system that God established for this world. Now, we just saw in Galatians chapter 3 that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. What is the curse of the law? Well, the curse of the law very simply means the consequence of God's broken commandments. The consequences of God's broken commandment. Now, what was the first commandment God gave man? Look to Genesis chapter 2. Let's start reading in verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. He's got work to do. He's been given authority and dominion over the earth, and he's given a job to do, to dress and to keep it, to guard and protect it. If there's no enemy here, there's nothing to protect it from. It wasn't a surprise to Adam to find out there was an enemy here. God's already identified that to him. So he told him to dress and keep the garden, and the Lord God commanded. Everybody say commanded. So here's the law of God. The Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One translation says blessing and calamity. Thou shalt not eat of it for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. In the day that you eat thereof you shall surely die. Now what death is he talking about? Can't be physical. Because he didn't die that day. But something did happen to him when he ate of the forbidden fruit. He died spiritually. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Now, whatever somebody, you or me or somebody else might think of why Jesus healed the sick, Matthew 8, 17 tells us why he healed everybody that was sick. Jesus healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. 
Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Now, folks, here's something I want to get, try to get across to you. And I'm just seeing some of these things myself in increasing light. Let me say it that way. I'm getting more and more light on this. And I don't have it yet like I want to get it. But the source of man's authority, the source of everything on the earth in the Garden of Eden that worked according to God's plan was because of the life of God that was in Adam's spirit. It was because God breathed into him the breath of life. His spirit, the spirit of God, inhabited and indwelt Adam. And it was the source of everything that he had. It was the source of every part of the dominion and authority that he was given. It was the source of every day of health that he walked in before he fell. It was the source of everything that the earth produced for him. It was the source of every bit of success. It was the source of everything. Everything that Adam enjoyed in the Garden of Eden. A world without sin, a world without the consequence of sin was because of the life of God that was within him. Adam didn't try and fail and then try again and succeed and find out how things worked. Every bit of the knowledge he had came from the knowledge that was within his heart and that which God revealed to him. He had a mind that was untainted by sin. There was no presence of sin whatsoever. Now notice what what the consequence of disobedience to God's commandment is. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He said, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Please notice what God did not say. God did not say, in the day that you eat thereof, you shall become a sinner. Sin is not the problem. Now, the Bible speaks of sin singular in reference to spiritual death. The problem is not sin. The problem is spiritual death. Romans 5.12 says it this way. It says, wherefore, as by one man, talking about Adam, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, not sin, death. See, the problem with the sinner is not that he sins. The problem with the unsaved is not that they're sinners. The problem with the unsaved is that they're spiritually dead. And that's what happened to Adam. When the Bible says that they they ate of the fruit of the tree, their eyes were opened. Well, what eyes? The physical eyes didn't change. Blackness didn't come upon the earth all of a sudden. The moon didn't go dark or the sun didn't go dark. The stars didn't fall from heaven. Physical laws of nature didn't change. Their spiritual eyes were opened. Open to what? Open to what life is now like without being united with God. That's what spiritual death means. Spiritual death means separation from God. Now, everything that came upon the earth that we know of as a curse or evil 
came as a result of death passing upon the earth and upon all men. The consequences of spiritual death that they have now chosen to enter into begin to take hold on the earth. The earth doesn't produce for them like it used to. It brings forth thorns and thistles. The only way it produces now is by the sweat of his brow, which indicates or implies at least that the earth produced in a different way before that, maybe by the words of his mouth. It's the way the earth produced for God and Adam's made in God's image. So that's certainly possible. It's at least worth considering. But now the earth brings forth thorns and thistles and is only going to produce by the work of his hands or the sweat of his brow. And sickness begins to plague mankind. I want you to notice, folks, the way that God created the earth, the way he intended it to be and the way he delivered it to Adam was for man to be united with him in spirit without sickness, without disease, and abundantly provided for in everything that he does. Now, the Bible says God never changes. The Bible says God can't change. God said it this way, I am God, I change not. Well, I think that pretty much settles the issue, for me at least. I am God, I change not. That means it can't be a different will for God concerning his people today than it was when he first made man on the earth. If it was God's will for Adam to be united with him in spirit, which he was, and to walk free from sickness and disease, which he did, and for the earth to produce for him and provide for him abundantly, which it did, then that has to be God's will today. Or else the Bible's a lie. If the Bible's a lie, then we have no way to know God in any form whatsoever, and we have no basis for salvation. God's will never changes, never has, never will. And so, therefore, everything Jesus did when he came to the earth was to recover that which was lost. He brought healing to the sick, deliverance to the captives, and he provided for the people in material ways when it was necessary. He showed them the way back to God. He showed them the way to be born again. Now, if Jesus came to recover that which was lost, what we see was lost was man's union with God. He came to restore man back to his original position. Now, let's look at some of the, the, let's prove it to you from another angle. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Let's see what Moses tells the people that the curse of the law is. We'll start reading in verse 15. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all of his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses, everybody say curses, all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Folks, he's going to make a list of things that won't happen to you because Christ has redeemed you from this stuff. Cursed shalt thou be in the city and cursed shalt thou be in the field. Cursed shall be the basket and the store. That's poverty. So poverty is a curse of the law. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the fruit of your land. The increase of your kind and the flocks of your sheep. See, these things are supposed to work to your benefit. But as a consequence of spiritual death overtaking the world through Adam's sin, poverty became a curse upon mankind. That's not the way that this world was created to function. 
And Jesus came to recover that which was lost. Cursed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and cursed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexation, and rebuke, and in all that thy saidst thine hand for to do, until you be destroyed and until you perish quickly, because of the wickedness of thy doings, wherefore, whereby thou hast forsaken me. Folks, I want you to realize something. One of the main ways that the devil will work against you is try to make you think that what you do is cursed. You can hear testimonies of other people prospering. You can hear testimonies of other people receiving from God. And the devil will be right there on your shoulders and say, yeah, but it doesn't work like that for you. He'll even agree with you that the curse of the law has been broken by the work of Jesus. But still something is wrong with you. You're cursed. You may not know why. You may not know how. But somehow or another stuff just doesn't work right for you. That's one of the biggest lies that there is from the pit of hell. You remember in Balaam's day, Balaam, who was a a prophet, not a prophet of God, but he was a, a prophet that was hired by Israel's enemies to prophesy against Israel. Folks, you need to realize something. There's power in words. There, there is power in words that are spoken. There's power in words that are spoken over you, but there's more power in words that are spoken by you because you're the one that has authority in your life. And so these enemy kings of Israel wanted Balaam to prophesy against the children of Israel. And even in a backslidden, separated from God condition, Balaam said, who can curse whom God is blessed? Even he knew that. Well, the question is still a good one to ask today. Who can curse whom God is blessed? You're the one that's blessed. There is no curse over you. Ever so often somebody will come up and say, Pastor Mike, would you pray and break a generational curse over my family? Who can curse whom God is blessed? If you're in Christ Jesus, there is no generational curse. Yeah, but sickness and cancer and whatever other diseases just run rampant through my family. Folks, there are genetic traits that are passed down from generation to generation. And there may be things in your genetics, just like there may be in mine, that make me susceptible to some of the things that my father or grandfather were susceptible to. But that doesn't change the truth of the word that Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. What the devil wants you to do is focus on the same things that's happened to you that happened to your mama or your daddy or your grandmama or your granddaddy and make you think there's something that's wrong, something in the works that's keeping the word of God from making its truth a reality in your life. And nothing could be further from the truth. Say this after me. I am blessed. I am, blessed. I am not cursed. I, am not cursed. I, cannot be cursed I cannot be cursed because I'm blessed of God. Now think about what that means. That means you're blessed in your finances. That means you're blessed in your business. That means you're blessed in everything you put your hand to. That means you're blessed in your body. You need to get big headed about I am blessed. Now if you don't want to walk in it, that's okay with me. But I'm going to. The Bible says it's mine. 
Jesus paid a heavy price for it, dear price for it. He paid his own blood for me to be blessed, so I'm going to be blessed. And that should be the attitude that we take no matter what happens in the world around us. Where to leave off? Verse 20. The Lord, verse 21, the Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee until he has consumed thee from off the land, whether thou goest to possess it. The Lord shall smite thee with a consumption and with a fever and with an inflammation and with an extreme burning and with the sword and with blasting and with mildew, and they shall pursue thee until thou perish. Skip down with me to verse 27. The Lord will smite thee with the botch of Egypt and with the emeralds and with the scab and with the itch whereof thou canst not be healed. The Lord shall smite thee with madness and blindness and astonishment of heart. And thou shalt grope at noonday as the blind gropeth in darkness. And thou shalt not prosper in thy ways. And thou shalt be only oppressed and spoiled evermore and no man shall save thee. Verse 35. The Lord shall smite thee in the knees and in the legs with a sore box that cannot be healed. From the sole of thy foot until the top of thy head. Skip down with me to verse 50, uh, 58. If thou wilt not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book. Notice this is the book of the law. Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. These are all curses according to the law. If thou wilt not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book. That thou mayest fear this glorious and fearful name, the Lord thy God. Then the Lord will make thy plagues wonderful. And the plagues of thy seed, even great plagues and of long continuance. And sore sicknesses and of long continuance. Moreover, he will bring upon thee all the diseases of Egypt, which thou wast afraid of, and they shall cleave unto thee. Also, every sickness and every plague, which is not written in this book of the law, will them, them will the Lord bring upon thee until thou be destroyed. Now, I don't know if you were keeping count, but there are 14 individual sicknesses and diseases that are mentioned in the verses that we read. They include consumption or tuberculosis, skin diseases, the scab and the itch. The sore botch of Egypt, which is probably leprosy. Fevers and uh, all fevers, scarlet fevers, typhoid fevers, and so forth, eruptive fevers and such. Fourteen different diseases that are made mention of. And then it speaks of all the diseases of Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world which they were afraid of, that they knew about and were afraid of. So apparently there were more diseases that they knew of in Egypt that were not mentioned in these scriptures. And then verse 61 says... Also, every sickness and every disease not mentioned. Stuff you don't even know about. Then will the Lord bring upon thee until thou be destroyed. So, folks, I want you to understand. Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. The Bible says very specifically that the curse of the law involves three things. First, spiritual death, which is the consequence and the the source or the origin of every other curse that there is. Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. He's redeemed you from spiritual death. Secondly, he's redeemed you from poverty. Thirdly, he's redeemed you from every sickness and every disease. So where it says Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law, Christ has redeemed you from the curse of every sickness and every disease. Jesus explained to his disciples that faith works by believing in your heart and saying with your mouth. He said you can change any circumstance in your life by believing in your heart and speaking that out with your mouth. Use your faith today to cause God's will to come to pass in your life. Thanks for watching. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb.
yet looking under the promise of God. Well, if he's not looking at his body, what is he looking at? He's looking at the promise of God. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.